0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby. Say the cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, So let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on, what you waiting on? Let's go. We were we were gathering cattle. This was a, this was in West Texas, and this was a seventeen. 17- No, no, I I take that back. That was the biggest on the Rocker B. This was a 21-section pasture. Now, to tell you what a section is, just in case we have somebody that's not real clear on, on this kind of stuff, it's one mile this way, one mile this way, one mile this way, and one mile this way. It's a square mile. This was 21 square miles under one fence. And there was about five or six of us that were going to gather 21 square miles worth of cattle. And so we did that, but as always happens, you always got one knot head that, that, you know, kind of runs off. And we got everything done, and and I think it was just one or two that we didn't get. We could see them. They were right out there. We got them up to the pens, and then they payahed into the brush, and so... Anyway, we, we get through working, and we're all sitting around. I mean, we have flanked calves all day long, and these were big calves. Uh, there was actually a buddy of mine that got to come. He, he's, I told him what I was going to be doing. He said, you think they would, they would let me come out and, and, and work cattle with you? I said, well, I don't know. I'm calling and asking. So I called my buddy up, and I was like the guy that owned the place. I said, hey, I got a guy that wants to come out and flank calves. You care if he comes? He goes, no, not at all. Tell him to come on. And so since he was kind of a guest of mine, I kind of, you know, kind of took him under my wing. and, And after about the third straight hour of flanking calves, he looked at me and he said, this was the worst idea I ever had in my life. And when we got done, seriously, this is it word for word. When we got done, I said, man, I appreciate you. And he said, you're welcome. He said, it's definitely been a learning experience. I said, come back anytime." He said, I'm never coming back. And he didn't, (laughs) but he worked his butt off. I mean, it it was cool. So anyway, we we get done. My buddy, he leaves and we're sitting there and we got these like one or two cows, I don't remember. They're, They're standing out there about a quarter of a mile. You can see them, they're right along the brush, but they got a couple of calves with them. So we need to get them in. So my buddy, Lino, this other guy, Lino tells the ranch owner, he said, Hey, man, you just give us a word. We'll go rope them. We'll go rope them right now. The ranch owner looked, and he stepped up on a three-foot-high soapbox, and he lit into Lino. He said, You know what's the problem with all y'all tame cowboys? He said, all you want to do is rope something. That's all a cowboy thinks about. That's all he comes to work for. You do all of this work just so you might get the chance to rope something. But let me tell you something. You didn't pay for those cattle. Your livelihood, your banknote doesn't depend on those cattle. Roping is hard on a cattle. You could break a leg. You could choke them down. There are so many bad things that can happen. And I just can't stand a cowboy. that That's all he wants to do is go out and rope somebody's cattle. And I mean, Leno is just like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And he said, because that's the difference between a rancher and a cowboy. A rancher takes care of his cattle. He ain't just out to rope nothing and rah, rah. I mean... He is like, and I mean, like all those other cowboys are like, and Leno man, he stands there and he takes it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. And he's like, how would you like, he said, I tell you what, if you went and rubbed that cow, I bet you wouldn't want to buy her. You'd just say, that's just part of it, right? And he's like, well, you know, I mean, we try not to hurt him. And, and I mean, he is, he's lighting into him. And I'm dead serious. This conversation goes on for about five minutes. And we're like, dang, dude, kind of. Settle down a little bit. But boy, he is on his soapbox. And he's like, because see, that's the difference. I used to be a cowboy, but now I'm a rancher. I'm better than just a cowboy anymore because I take care of my stuff. And it's my livelihood. And he said, and Lena, has anything I said to you got through your thick skull? And Lena goes, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I, I, I think I understand now. He said, then please, just so I know, Tell me what I have just told you. Leno said, "Well, best I can tell, the difference between a cowboy and a rancher is a rancher is a son of a gun that can't rope." <laughs> I pulled the entire side of my right half doubled over laughing. I have never laughed so hard in my entire life and I mean all the cowboys were just dying laughing and of course the rancher really couldn't say anything cuz it was funny and he knew it and so anyway it was it was all good natured it was just, if you knew the rancher that's just the way he was but uh you know there's another thing that happens in that Do you know that as funny as that was, and Lino was being funny, he knew exactly what the rancher was saying. But have we heard everything, heard everything that somebody said and completely missed the point? That's nearly every one of my conversations with my wife. I, I frustrate her so much because she will tell me in plain English this, 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 and this, and then I'll try to repeat it back, and she goes... That's not what I was saying. (laughs) So she she knows how the rancher felt. But do you know what the whole point of most of Jesus' preaching was? Do you know why he was sent? He talked about it over and over and over and over and over. If nobody on a ranch is on the same page and understands what the boss is saying, then it won't be very productive or effective. I've been on some outfits where where you go out to gather cattle, and and there's really not a game plan. They say, well, just, you know, kind of spread over here and go over here. I told you all the story one time about it. we were going along, and it was me, and then it was a guy named Paul Bruce, and it was a guy named Shane, and we knew that this other guy was way over here, and he was the ranch owner's father. We knew, he, we knew where he was. He was the first one to be dropped off. Well, we'd never been in this pasture, and so we hear, here comes the, the, the dad. He's riding. I mean, I know he's supposed to be on this side, so when they drop somebody off over here and that person starts drifting over, you're like, oh, man, I, I thought we were going that way, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got turned around. So I start going that way, and soon enough, I run into Paul Bruce, and Paul Bruce is looking like Oh, crud. So he starts going over that way and he runs into Shane. And so Shane gets going over there. And before you know, we're all on a fence line over here. And the dad's right there, and we're like, what's going on? Why what I thought we were going that way. He goes, Oh, we are. It's like, well, why were you coming over here? He said, I was just gonna see what y'all were doing. So we left the entire middle of this pasture ungathered because we kept scooting over. If we don't, if we're not on the same page. We're not going to be very effective. We're not going to be very productive either. Have we heard and read everything Jesus said and still missed the point? Because here's the question. Do you know that what the whole point of most of Jesus' preaching was? Do you know why he was sent and he talked about it over and over and over? Here's a hint. The whole point of most of Jesus' preaching is what got him killed. Jesus wasn't killed, though, because he told people to love others and love God. I mean, why would you kill a man in a kind of a theocratic nation? Now, granted, it was under Roman rule, but why would you kill somebody that walked around and told people, hey, just just love God and love others. That's what you need to do. Nobody's going to kill a man for that. Not even the Jews and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. They're not gonna, they're not gonna get mad at somebody telling people to love others and love God. And I promise you, Rome wasn't gonna get mad about him walking around telling people to love each other because Rome wanted peace. And here's this guy helping do that. They wouldn't have got mad about it. Because, see, a lot of people, if you said, what was Jesus's main point of preaching, they would probably jump to, well, he said, you know. Love God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus dang sure did say that. There's no doubt about it. But that was not his main point of preaching. He wasn't killed because he was a nice guy. He wasn't killed because he just walked around being nice to people. So if he wasn't killed because he was a nice guy and he wasn't killed because he was going around telling people to love God and love others, then why was most of his preaching the very thing that got him killed. He wasn't killed because he told people to quit sinning and turn to God. No, none of the Jews would have gotten mad about that. They would have encouraged that. So why did they hate him so much? And he wasn't killed because he walked around and healed people and cast out demons. That's not it. He wasn't killed because of all of that stuff. But if you ask people, what did Jesus preach about? What did he do? Most people would probably... List all of those things, but that's not what Jesus' main point of preaching was. He was killed because of Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 says, But he replied. Now you have to understand what, what to, to set the scene, he has preached to a lot, a lot of people, okay? And then the next day, these people come back, and they want him to stay there and and preach another sermon because it was so powerful, and he's a great speaker. I mean, they could just tell that this was from God. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, it says this. But Jesus replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Think about that. He replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too because that's why I was sent. I bet you 9.9 out of 10 Christians cannot accurately and adequately tell you what those two things are. What is the good news of the kingdom of God? We might be able to kind of dance around it. And if you're wondering where 9.9 was, the the, the point is for the small people, okay? The short people, you know, like Amanda and and, uh, others. I only do it because I love you, girl. These two things are the core of Jesus' purpose and mission. Think about that. Because Jesus talked about it all. I mean, the very beginning of of Jesus' ministry, there was a guy named John the Baptist, and John the Baptist kind of prepared the way for Jesus' ministry. And John the Baptist's ministry was repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, right? So all, all of this stuff. And then when Jesus came along, the very first thing Jesus said, the very first sermon he preached was this. You must repent for the kingdom of God is near. You must repent for the kingdom of God is near. He told parable after parable about what the kingdom of God is, but we still have a hard time grasping exactly what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is this. Now, now, I want you to know that in studying this for this sermon, there, there is actually a book by a guy named Mark Borg, B-O-R-G, and a guy named N.T, their initials, N.T. Wright. Now, N.T. Wright, I don't know much about Mark Borg, but N.T. Wright is one of the world's most gifted and honored and celebrated theologians out there. I mean, this guy knows the Bible inside and out. He speaks Greek. He speaks He speaks Hebrew. He's a, I think he's a professor at like Cambridge or Oxford or something like that in England. I could be wrong, but I mean, this dude is super smart. There is an entire book by Mark Borg and N.T. Wright arguing about what the kingdom of God is. And these people are PhD, smartest fellows in the world, and those two people are arguing about what the kingdom of God is. So it must not be that easy to understand. Or is it? Because here is a... I'm not going to say that this is all-encompassing and and all of that, but I I just want to give you a broad overview about what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in our lives through the belief of Jesus Christ and what He did. Jesus said, I must go to the other towns too and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in our lives through the belief of Jesus Christ and what He did. What did he do? You know, I, and I said that most people probably can't tell you what the kingdom of God is. I mean, the, these PhD really smart fellows wrote an entire book arguing about it. So how can we as, as lay people as sim, uh, and when I say simple, I don't mean that that we're dumb or anything, but we we like to just man, skip all the fluff and the lace and let's just get down to the meat and taters. The maintainers taters of the kingdom of God is it is His rule and reign in our lives. It's God's rule and reign in our lives through Jesus Christ. Now, that rule and reign is right now, but it's also to come. It has started now, but it will not be finished. It will not come to fruition until Jesus Christ comes back and sin is abolished, and and we live forever on the new heaven and the new earth that God is going to create for those that believed in His Son. And, and, And that's really hard. That's one of the contentious points. So A lot of people say, oh, well, it's here now. And then other people say, no, it's going to come later. I loved one of the illustrations that a guy used. He said, the kingdom of God is here now, but not yet. I know that that sounds like I'm saying two different things. And I I was talking to, to Christy about this, and I said, here's one of the examples they used. Is a pregnant woman a mother? Yeah, I would say so. But she's a mother right now, but not yet. Does that make sense? I mean, it's kind of split in hairs a little bit, but she is a mother because she has a baby, but technically uh, I mean, a mother is somebody that has a child. So, she is a mother right now, but not yet. So, that's kind of the way the kingdom of God is. Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is here now, but it won't be completed until the end times whenever we come back and we abolish sin once and for all. But what he did was the good news. And I mean, that. I, I just want to just pull my face down whenever I hear Christians think that Christianity is about rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. Completely miss the point of everything that Jesus did because here is the good news. Not all-encompassing, but just a broad overview of what the good news is. No longer is a relationship with God based on what we do, but on what Christ did. See, before, the, the whole your relationship with God was 100% on you. If you messed up, you had to go take an animal and sacrifice it, and you had to keep all of these Rules and regulations, there were like 600 different laws that you had to keep. And and the Ten Commandments were kind of part of that. We can't even keep the first ten, much less the next 590 of them. But that was how the Pharisees lived. That was the purpose of the church, was to institute these rules and these regulations. And everything depended on how well you followed those rules. But no longer. The good news that Jesus preached is no longer is a relationship with God based on what we do, but on what Christ would do for us. We no longer have to depend on our own strength or find our own way in life because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do it for us. We have been granted the promise that all of our needs will be taken care of. That's exactly what... I was sitting next to Brooke back there and Ty's talking about how God gives us everything we need. And I was like... That's the Holy Spirit working, because Ty's already up there. I mean, he's paving the way for my sermon, because that's it. God, we we have been granted the promise that all of our needs will be taken care of. All of your needs will be met. We are freed from the tyrants that used to rule our lives. And but, you know, uh, and I kind of talked about that last week, and we'll talk about it more again in a minute, that you were made to be ruled. Something is going to rule you. You are going to serve something. And if you say, well, nobody rules me. I ain't serving nobody. You've already proved my point because you serve pride. You think that you are at the top of the food chain, so to speak. We are freed from the tyrants that used to rule our lives like fury, pride, war, worry, anger, addictions, lusts of the flesh, and all manner of sin. We are freed from that. That doesn't mean that it won't still come up and bite us like a chihuahua dog on the back of the leg. But it it is no longer our master. We are no longer controlled. We have been given a way out of that. We have been freed from death and the fear of death and been given eternal life in a place without pain, suffering, or sadness. We are promised to be fulfilled and become everything and more than we ever thought possible. You know, and it just, it, it, it does, it blows my mind and it makes me sad and sometimes it makes me angry and sometimes it makes me want to say bad words when, when, when people don't understand what the good news is. The good news isn't about what you do. The good news is that Jesus has done it for us. That's the good news. He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. I mean, it's kind of like sometimes uh, Griffin's got a new motorcycle and and he is he's getting pretty dang good at it and it's a big old thing and I mean he's growing but uh. Anyway, he gets up there in the first couple of days, he couldn't start it or anything, and so I'd have to get up there, and he'd say, Dad, how do you do that? Well, I could do it because he can't, but now he's learning to do it. That's not the point. The point is that God has done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. We are promised to be fulfilled and become everything and more than we ever thought possible. We are given a purpose, a reason for living, and an excitement and adventure that brings us to life. That's the good news. And I mean, it just, it saddens me. It hurts my feelings and everything. When people go, oh yeah, yes, Christianity stuff, yeah. It's just a bunch of rules and regulations. It has nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing to do with that. The good news is that we can't earn any of this. There is nothing you can do to get that except receive the gift, the free gift that is offered. You can't buy it. You don't deserve it. And, and, and that, that's another thing. A lot of people don't come to Christ because they say, Well, I'm, you know, there's just things in my past. I, just, I don't deserve that. Well, of course you don't. None of us do. That's the whole point. You have just illustrated that point exactly that we don't deserve what Jesus did for us, but yet He gave it to us anyway. We don't deserve any of it. You can't pay it back. And and, and I think that I'm not saying that they won't go to heaven, but some people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then they spend the rest of their lives trying to pay it back. And then they wonder why they're a miserable Christian. Well, I thought when I went to Christ, everything would be good, but I've been working my tail off trying to pay him back for everything he did for me, and I'm just miserable as all get out. Well, duh. You can't pay it back. You didn't deserve it. You can't earn it. And you can't pay it it back through any good deed. Did you know that nothing you can do? The Bible says in Jeremiah that our good deeds are like worthless soiled rags to the lord you're the best thing that you could ever imagine doing for yourself or anybody else or your family your deeds are like worthless rags unto the lord So you might be thinking, well, if that's the case, then then what is all this Christianity about? There are things that we do as Christians, but it's not an attempt to pay it back or to earn it or anything. It's a result of the love that we have been given. You know, um, before I met Christy and the the kids, um, me and that buddy of mine that I always talk about, Ralph Hager, we went down to Chihuahua, Mexico to buy some horses. This is back when it was kinda easy. You just kinda went down there, picked up some pretty cheap horses, brought them to the brought them to the, uh, to the border. You kinda bribed the vet on the Mexico side with some money and then he would give you the papers. If you didn't, if you didn't bribe him, then he made the horses stay there, 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 until you bribed him, so it was easier just to do it in the very beginning. You know, pay him a little bit of money. It really wasn't a bribe. We called it expediting. You would expedite the vet so that he would clear the horses to cross and then you'd bring them over here. We'd ride them for a little while. But see, down there in Mexico, man, they had some great horses because they, they rode everywhere they went. I mean, they, there were some big old ranches down there and these horses were Broke. I'm not going to say that they were the best bloodlines and, you know, the best-looking horses. As a matter of fact, I picked the ugliest horse there. His name was Hanos. A lot of y'all remember me talking about it. He was the ugliest horse there, but he was also the best one there. And uh, we rode somewhere between 40 and 60 horses that weekend. And Ralph told me, he said, you can, have, you can pick one. Which one is it? And I said, that ugly groovy over there? He goes, why that one? And I said, because he's broke? And he said, that's my favorite horse. He ain't the prettiest one, but he was my favorite also. But when we went down there, it was such a culture shock to me because, you know, being raised here in, in, in Texas, and, and I also lived in other places in America, uh, but... Uh, In Texas, you know, it's no different than here. We've got some creature comforts. We went down there, and I'll never forget when we got down there, it was near dark. It was right at sunset, and we walked in. The lights in the place, there was no electricity there, but the lights were off of 12-volt car batteries, and they were like dome lights. And you could see the wires running everywhere. And in the living room, imagine what your living room would look like if it was lit by about four dome lights. It was a nice, soft light. I mean, it, you really couldn't even hardly read from it. But, you know, you wouldn't trip over anything. And it was just cool. And and th- that was probably one of the worst days of my life also because um, they, when we got there, man, they treated us like royalty. I mean, I was like, whoa, you know. They were extremely nice. And, and so they showed us where our rooms were. And we went in. To, to get into our rooms and uh, the room didn't even have a door on it. I mean, these, this is an old house and so Ralph kind of gets undressed and jumps in his sleeping bag and, and and then, so I'm like, well, you know, follow. Yeah, I've never been down here. Ralph's been down here and everything. And so I go to take my britches off and get in bed and the matron of the house walks in. And she screamed and turned around and Ralph said, they're going to throw us out of here. They're gonna. I was like, why? He said, because you were making a move on the matron of the house. I said, I was not, I was getting in bed. And he had me all wound up, but that's beside the point. So the next morning at breakfast, we sat down at this, literally, this round table, and we were served hand and foot. I mean, when the guy come walking in with a galvanized pail of milk that had just been milked, they poured it in a pitcher, and then they served us milk right there. And, I mean, you would take a drink and they would put a drink in. Not out of their mouths. They would, like, pour it. But, you know, you'd take a drink of milk and they'd fill it up. You'd take a drink, they would fill it up. And it's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. No, no, i us. You know, you can have more. And, and they fed us these eggs that were, you know, They didn't buy them at HEB, they had chickens, you know? And and it was just such a fantastic deal. They brought some girls out of Chihuahua City to help with the food preparation and the serving. And and it was just amazing to sit there. and, and And it wasn't that I was being waited on. It wasn't one of those deals that they thought they were serving us. They were trying to love on us and show us hospitality and make us feel welcome. As a matter of fact, there was a great big honor that they gave us because the water, there was no, uh, the water came from a windmill and it had like this tank that was way up high and it had like this uh, expanded metal underneath it. And so the metal tank gravity fed the water to the whole house. So, I mean, when you turned on the shower, it was just kind of more or less a trickle. But they started early that morning and they went out and cut mesquite before the sun even came up and piled it up on that expanded metal and lit it on fire so that the fire from the mesquite would heat the water so that we would have warm water to bathe in. I mean, they went all out. I have never been treated with such kindness and such love in all of my life. to receive all the benefits of getting and living on God's ranch. Because, see, that's what God wants to do. We, I didn't do one single thing to deserve anything that the Baeza Ranch north of Chihuahua City, Mexico, did for me and loved on me. They did it out of love and kindness and hospitality. But see, when you get a job on God's ranch, there's a lot of these same benefits that come with it. To receive all the benefits of getting and living on God's ranch, we must accept that he has been made king of the kingdom. Think about that. To receive all the benefits of getting and living on God's ranch, we must accept That he has been made king of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Remember, the kingdom of God is the rule of God in our lives through his son, Jesus Christ. And to receive all of those benefits, we must accept that Jesus has been made king of the kingdom. And you know what? We talked earlier. I said... Was it the fact that Jesus walked around telling people to love people and love God, is that what got Him killed? No. Was Jesus killed because He healed some blind men and the lame could walk? Nope. So why was He killed? Because of that proclamation right there. Why? Because Jesus stood up. And when He said, I have come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, it flew in the face of everything that the Jewish people thought that they were supposed to do. Because Jesus said that he was God's son and everything had been given to him and he held the keys and the benefits of the ranch. So in order to get on this ranch, if you want to live on the only ranch that is going to give you eternal life and salvation and all of those benefits we talked about, the... uh, to have a relationship with God based on not what we do, but based on what Jesus did. If you want to live on the ranch that you no longer have to depend on your own strength to find your own way in life, then you've got to go to Jesus' ranch that He's been given. We've been granted. If you want the promise that all your needs will be taken care of, you're not going to... Um, When we lived on the Rockerby Ranch, all of our groceries were provided for. We didn't, I know this is a hard concept, but we didn't really provide groceries to people that lived in San Angelo. You had to live and work and be on that ranch in order to be provided for. He He holds the keys to the ranch. If you want to be freed from the tyrants that used to rule your life like fear, worry, anger, addictions lusts of the flesh, and all manner of sin, all you have to do is go to His ranch and go to Him. And He'll let you on. If you want to be fulfilled and become everything and more than you ever thought possible, it is so simple. He holds the keys to the ranch and He wants you to come in. He absolutely wants you to come in. If you want to be given a purpose... A reason for living and an excitement and adventure that will bring you life, because here, here's a question. Think back to maybe the time when you were maybe 10, 12 years old. Who did you think you would be when you were this age? What did you think your life would look like? Did you grow up to be exactly where you wanted to be? Some people might be able to say yes, but I think a lot of people, whenever I was 10 or 12 years old, man, I thought I was going to be this, and I was going to have a million dollars, I was going to have a jet, and I was going to have this. I was going to be owning all these ranches, and life was going to be good. I got a toothbrush. That's about all I own. You want to be given a purpose? See, that purpose you will never find that purpose. You will continue to struggle. You will continue to to just waste your life away trying to do this and, and find things that are going to make you happy. You're going to work your tail off so that you can buy some material things so that you think you'll be happy. But those things that you are working your tail off for to buy because you think it's going to make you happy, it's not going to make you any more happy than that thing that you've got in the closet that you worked so hard for that you thought was going to make you happy I remember I bought my first truck was this this white Dodge and it had these dark tinted windows and man I just knew I just knew that when I got this truck I was going to name it Pudge because at the time the catcher for the Texas Rangers name was Pudge Rodriguez and he caught everything that came at him And I just figured I'd get in this Dodge. I was going to drive down the street. I was going to have to put a bed cover because the girls were just going to be jumping in the back because of this new truck. I I kind of seriously believed that. And it didn't happen. And I was kind of disappointed because I paid all this money for this cool truck and nobody really cared. Because see, it's it's not that. It's who we are that will make us happy. You want purpose and a reason for living? Is your life full of excitement? Or is it full of dread? Do you have adventure in your life? Are you content? You can have all of that if you go through the Son. Because He has the keys to the kingdom. To get in, you have to believe that Jesus was sent by God and that he has been given authority over heaven and earth. That's what he said at the very end of his reign. After all the preaching he had done and all of that, he was crucified and he came back and he spent some time with people. Over like 500 people saw him and he's raised from the dead. He was who he said he was. And the last thing he said before he went up into heaven was this. Go out into all the world and make disciples of all men in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I've can, commanded, and lo, I'm with you always. And right before he said that, he said, All authority on heaven, in heaven, and on earth has been given unto me. The very reason that the Jews plotted to kill him. When Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate said, are you, you claim to be a king. Are you a king? Jesus said, yep. But my authority doesn't come from earth. My authority doesn't come from this world. It comes from up there. And they killed him for it. To get in, you had to believe that he was sent by God and that he had been given authority over heaven and earth. He was king. He is king. The kingdom of God is the rule. And I'm not talking about rules that you follow. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign, not that falls from the sky, but Him being able to lead us and tell us what to do. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God through Jesus Christ in your life. And Jesus told the good news that in order to have that, He was going to do everything for you so that you could have that. And all you had to do was believe. To believe. This belief, though, would be characterized by something. In other words, I mean, I asked a friend of mine the other day, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how many of your friends, this is a 19-year-old kid, I said, how many of your friends do you say is a 100% Follower of Jesus Christ, that they have given their lives to Him and seek to follow Him each and every day of their lives. Not to say that they never make a mistake, but how many of your friends are 100% followers of Jesus Christ? He said, none. And I said, but if you were to ask all of those friends if they believed in God, How many would say yes? And he said all of them would say that they believed in God, but none of them follow. Because see, that belief that we have, it can't be just something that we think is true. It's a belief that is characterized by something. The answer is so simple. The answer to this, this characterization of the belief is so simple That even the youngest of children can accomplish it without even thinking. But yet, most adults cannot do it, even if they devote their lives to it. They cannot do it. That's why Jesus said, many on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of this? Didn't we do all this? And he said, get away from me, for I knew you not. Not. How do you know him? The answer is so, so simple. The youngest of children, never think twice, get it right. Every single time. And most adult men and women in this world, even when they try their hardest, are never able to accomplish it. The answer is not pooping in your pants. Okay, just so you know, that is not the answer. But come back next week, and that's what we're going to talk about, is the answer to that characterization that describes our belief in God. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for the moisture. We thank you for everybody that is here in Kiowa, that that did their chores this morning, that got up, that knew that even when life isn't easy, that we still have a responsibility to serve, to serve those that we love, whether it be man or animal, but most importantly, to serve you. God, the people that are listening right now have a desire to serve you. They want to know you. God, lead us into your kingdom because we know that your son has the keys to the ranch and that the benefits of, this, of us abiding and living on this ranch are so profound and such great things that our minds can't even fathom it. God, help us to go out this week and not worry about trying to pay back or earn or do anything, but just to sit and relax in your promise and in your grace and in your mercy. God, you gave it all to your son, and your son gave it all for us so that we might let him be our ruler for us to follow his reign in our lives and only by doing that will we experience the ultimate freedom and the ultimate fulfillment of our purpose. God give these people that are listening and those others that are out. Give them the strength and the courage to be able to be one of the few that can actually say, I'm a tried and true believer and follower of Jesus Christ and he is the brand that I ride for. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.